I'm Dr. Michael Vitola. And I'm Megan Strong. Can this pair of chopsticks actually make you happy? Find out by watching this episode of Chairside Live. Welcome to episode 16 of Chairside Live. Megan, how are you? Doing great, how are you? I'm great, thank you. On today's episode, we're gonna share with you a case of the week where the doctor prescribed some biotemps for one of his patients. And we're gonna send him a seating matrix to help the biotemps go into place. And we've also got a prep guide we're gonna send along with the case. So I wanna show you both of those and how they're used before we send the case back to the doctor. But before we take a look at that, let's go to Megan and the news. Researchers at the University of Kansas found that smiling can positively affect a person's ability to recover from episodes of stress. In a recent study, participants were asked to hold chopsticks in their teeth in a distinct manner in order to produce either a neutral expression, a standard smile, or a genuine smile. The participants then completed a series of stress-inducing tasks with the chopsticks in their mouths while the researchers measured heart rate and self-reported stress levels. They found that the smiling group showed lower heart rate levels during recovery from the tasks compared to those in the neutral group. The researchers said these findings show that smiling during brief stressors can help to reduce the intensity of the body's stress response, regardless of whether the person actually feels happy. That's really interesting because it's not, it doesn't sound like it's somebody necessarily smiling on their own. They're doing it all with, with chopsticks. And right. as you know, I always carry a pair with me. And I, I'm wondering, is this what they meant? You, you hold it a certain way to put a, I do, I feel better already. I feel amazing. Feel I feel calm, a sense of calmness and serenity yeah. that I've never felt before. And now I want to do a stress-inducing situation like this, like a root canal in number two. I think sure. I'd love to go into the operatory and try to pull that off. But the, the part about smiling, you know, I, uh, as you probably know, I just finished my first um, Ironman triathlon. And actually reading a book was talking about um, smiling throughout the race and thanking the volunteers and having that kind of positive attitude and how it can make a really difficult wow. task much easier. So it makes sense, but I always thought it had to do with you being in the type of mood or the mindset where you could smile, not taking two cheap pieces of wood right. and forcing, and forcing yeah, forcing a smile like that and that would make you feel better. But that's very interesting research. You have another story? Yes. A dentist in New Hampshire has been charged with simple assault for allegedly slapping an eight-year-old patient. The mother reported that the boy was touching some glass jars on a counter in the office when the dentist yelled, we don't do that here, and slapped the boy on the back. The mother grabbed her child and left the office. She reported that she saw a large red welt in the shape of a hand on her son's back and took a picture of it. The 63-year-old dentist turned himself in at the police station and was released on $1,000 personal recognizance. Apparently, this is not the first time police have received a complaint about this particular dentist. Wow. Do you feel like that would have all gone down differently if he would have had a pair of chopsticks in his right? mouth? If only he was smiling, his stress levels would have been down, and maybe he wouldn't have slapped the boy. That's, it is unfortunate. I, I thought when you started the story, it was going to end up being that it was during a dental procedure, which would have been, you know, horrible. And working on kids is difficult, and a lot of times sure. they don't cooperate and make things harder, but slapping is never accepted. But this really does seem out of bounds because the kid was just playing around with uh, like a thing of two by twos right. sitting on the counter. Which could and be expected. And right, and so this is probably horrifying uh, to parents, but I think parents still might be more horrified if they ever saw a papoose board. Have you ever seen a papoose board before? No. This is for uncooperative uh, children and uh, a lot of pediatric dentists are kind of forced to use it where they put the kid down and then you put these straps over it 
So it straps the no. kid down onto the board and ren renders him unable to move. And I think a lot of parents uh, might flip out too if they saw that. But obviously, yeah, you cannot slap a kid like right. that unless it's your own kid. Then it's perfectly okay. But when it's uh, someone else's kid like that, uh, and the fact that it's been, happened more than one times, it sounds like this doctor might need some anger management courses sounds before like he it. sees patients again. All right, thank you, Megan. Let's go ahead and take a look now at the case of the week. On this Biotemps case, the doctor is going to be restoring the upper arch. As we zoom in here, you can see that the lower arch has been treated already. Those are pretty obviously, uh, pretty obvious crowns when you look at the length of those teeth. So some missing teeth, probably, oh, some missing ridge and uh, just a need to kind of close that gap. And as we look at the upper teeth, the dentist is actually going to restore that entire upper arch. And so anytime we're gonna restore an entire upper arch, I always like to make sure that we actually fabricate the biotemps in three separate pieces instead of just one big piece that would go around uh, the entire arch, which might seem easier, but at times it makes it more difficult to seat and it can also make it more difficult to maintain the vertical dimension. And so what I like to be able to do here is make, fabricate the biotemps in three distinct sections. So there's gonna be two posterior sections and an anterior section. And by doing that, it allows us to maintain the vertical. So in other words, we're gonna prep, for example, these two teeth on this side. And once these teeth are prepped, we're gonna reline the biotemps while we still have the rest of these unprepped teeth in contact with the opposing occlusion. And that way we'll be able to dial in the correct vertical dimension on these biotemps by using these other teeth. Now, if we're gonna open the patient's bite, that's a completely different story. And that biotemp would probably be made in one piece because we wouldn't do what we're doing here to maintain the vertical. But this allows us to set the vertical on the biotemps using the rest of these unprepared teeth and then prepare these teeth with these biotemps sitting in place to check our reduction and then reline these biotemps once these have already be, been relined uh, at the proper vertical dimension. And if you go to our website, we have a Biotemps video that shows me uh, doing this all live. But I just wanted to go over it on this case, uh, in case you haven't seen that video, so you have a chance to see what it looks like. So again, the Biotemps are going to be in three separate pieces, three separate segments. There's our first segment, a little three-unit bridge. And then we're going to have our anterior segment, which is the anterior six teeth that into place and then the doctor actually wanted a pontic cantilevered off the last tooth of course on the permanent restoration these will be connected over on that side but again just to maintain vertical dimension it's nice to do uh, the biotemps in a couple different sections like this so that we can prep these teeth and then reline this biotemp before these are actually um, prepped at all and so when the patient bites together it helps us get these biotemps at the correct vertical dimension. Now, one of the difficulties or one of the things that can be difficult when working with biotemps is knowing when you've reduced enough. So we've made for this doctor, and anybody can request this. I request on every one of my cases. I wouldn't do a biotemps case without it. And it's what we call a prep guide. And you can see that it's a, a thermoform suck down right onto the biotemp preps themselves. And so what we're able to do in the mouth while we're prepping the patient is if we have trouble getting the biotemps to seat, it's telling us that we haven't you know, removed enough tooth in a certain area. And so we can put this suck down stent onto the teeth and because it's clear, we can look through and actually I'll even use the Explorer to kind of poke around and find where there's space. Like here, for example, because this is a suck down of this prepped model, there's no sponginess as I push down on the Explorer. 
Um, if when you see that there's uh, you've prepped more than enough, you can push down and actually see that there's some deflection there. And in the mouth, any area where you see contact between the tooth itself and this suck down splint is where you haven't prepared enough. Uh, or if in a certain area it won't go down into place, you haven't prepared enough. So the laboratory technicians try to be uh, as conservative as possible and never remove more than a millimeter. And pretty much any material that you're going to use is going to want a millimeter uh, of reduction. And so they try to go as conservative as possible and you're able to set this down on top of the preps and see because of the moisture on the teeth where the prep is in contact with it. Oftentimes it's interproximal on the mesial or the distal where you may have not removed quite enough space. Uh, maybe it's the incisal edge on one of these teeth where it's hitting there and then you can take this off and then adjust that prep and try it back on again. So that's the prep guide. And another thing that will often send uh, is a seating stent. And some doctors, even though um, I like to do the three of these uh, separately, some doctors like to seat these all at the same time and reline it. And it's, it can be difficult when doing it to make sure that they all line up correctly and they look good together. So if you had a molar, let's say over on this side, that was unprepared and you were leaving, say your second molars unprepared and you were preparing the rest of the arch, so you still had your vertical stop, this would be a good time to use the seating matrix. And the seating matrix is essentially a suck down over the final uh, biotemps. And what this allows you to do is put the biotemps directly into the seating matrix so that they're held in the proper uh, relationship in between them. And you can see it's a nice smile at this point when they're all held together. And then you would place the reline material inside the biotemps and seat them all together onto the model. And that would help you ensure that the smile is going to look in the patient's mouth the way it looks on the model. When you reline them individually sometimes, you'll, you'll see that there's kind of a difference and maybe the anterior ones could be flared out a little bit to the labial. That's the most common thing that we see. But I still like to do them in individual segments uh, when I'm pre preparing all the remaining teeth. But on those cases where you still have the second molars that aren't being prepped, this seating guide is a great way to make sure that all your biotemps are lined up and they're going to look good together in the same plane. And I've taken the biotemps out of the seating guide now, and you can see basically it's a suck down that was made over the biotemps, so it's got a really nice shape to it. So in those rare cases where I just can't get the biotemps to go down because uh, basically I, I don't have the draw correct on the preps, you know, one, one thing to keep in mind is that when you're seating biotemps, you're seating all these units together. And again, these are six units that have to draw as a group for the biotemps to go down. But in reality, these six teeth are probably gonna be six separate crowns that aren't gonna have draw issues as a group. So sometimes because all of these are connected to help keep them in place, it's more difficult to seat a joined six unit biotemp like this than it will be to seat the permanent restorations that are gonna be six single units. So there are times where I just get frustrated and I can't get it to go down. But with this seating guide, you actually have a great way to make a chair side temporary. And so we're able to take whatever material we're using, something like Luxatemp Ultra, and fill this up, put the bisacryl material inside of this stent, and then seat it onto the preparations. And you actually end up with a really nice chair side temporary because this suck down was made from essentially a diagnostic wax up. It was made from the biotemps itself. So, even if you have to bail in those rare cases on the biotemps, uh, with this seating matrix, you're able to make some really nice chair side temps.
That about wraps it up for this edition of Chairside Live. On behalf of myself, Megan, and everybody here at the laboratory, I want to thank you for your time and your continued commitment to quality dentistry. We'll see you next time. But before we get to that, let's go to Megan and the news. <laughs> I didn't think that take was usable, so. The participants then completed a series of... Yeah, I was going really quickly and that's why I stopped it. That about wraps it up for this edition of Chairside Live. On behalf of all of us here at the laboratory, is this 16? Right. Sweet 16. Mmm. My super sweet 16. You gonna roll in a new car for us?